Welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm Braxton Hunter, and along with me is the illustrious Jonathan Pritchett. And today we are answering the question, why I'm a Calvinist. Not me, but Joe Myers a Calvinist. Yeah. So it's here's... not heresy. It's come on. No, it's heresy. Son. They gave us nothing but tradition and no argument. All they did was get on this stage, yell real loud, and set a straw man on fire. Okay, now, this is... I... I, I was... not impressed. <laughs> I, I've never heard of this gentleman before, but... And there is no evidence at all, except in the imagination of Dr. Braxton, and like-minded thinkers that there is such a thing as an objective morality. Right, well, that was a very passionate speech by Professor Alvarez. However, let me point out a couple of things that I have not argued tonight that Professor Alvarez seems to think that I have argued. Everything that begins to exist must have a cause for its existence. On behalf of humanity, God became man to die for the sin of the world. Then because of that sacrifice, you can rise from the dead just like he rose from the dead. Now, this may be a shock to some of our viewers, maybe most of them, but Dr. Hunter and I are not Calvinists. What? Yeah. yeah. Shocking, it I know. makes sense this now. This new development here <laughs> that we're not Calvinists. Um, now, Calvinism, Calvinism is not something we spend a lot of time on, but it is something we have spent time on. And, you know, we do think about this. We have been involved in debates with Calvinists, and we enjoy the discussion. We enjoy unpacking the theological issues related to that debate, especially when our opponents are not, um, are not, um, so <laughs> we'll just leave it there. <laughs> uh, let me, let me go ahead and say a couple of things, housekeeping things. First yeah. of all, I always say this when we talk about Calvinism, there are certain people who are going to be really bothered that we're even talking about Calvinism anymore. Yeah, get over it. We've been in debates about Calvinism. Yeah, here's the thing. We both had live public academic debates. We have Calvinist professors here. We've got Rob Ely. We've got Dylan Manley. Uh, Occasionally, we have Tom Rogers. We have have had people, we have people who are Calvinists who teach at Trinity. Trinity is not the anti-Calvinist seminary. In fact... As I think I said on another podcast, I actually had someone complain recently that one of our courses was far too uh, dogmatically Calvinistic. So we get it from both ends. But this is an issue that Dr. Pritchett and I agree about. Those who listen to the show know that we do not agree about everything. For example, he's egalitarian, I'm complementarian. We don't even agree with each other on everything. We do agree on this. And we see it pretty well the same way. And we both had live public academic debates on this issue. This is a within theology, it's hard to be... It's hard to know everything, right? right. <laughs> right that's, that should go without saying. So uh, people have areas of specialization. Soteriology has been an area of specialization for Dr. Pritchett and for myself. Uh, you don't have a debate without preparing for a year for it. Am right. I right? That's right. Okay, so... And, and, and of course, I mean, if you want this issue all day, every day, go to Soteriology 101 or sure. Sister Station. Uh, or go to... Uh, R.C. Sproul's ministry or James White yeah. you know, for the other side. Um, but we do, on occasion, take a break to talk about this issue. And why not? Because we're envious of Leighton Flowers' number of subscribers and obviously <laughs> well, talking actually, about this works. Our Mormonism episode probably has the biggest hit uh, right. right now, except for our except for our discussion about your debate right. on uh, Calvinism. But yeah. here's the other side of it. And th- the thing is, 
we have done several weird episodes on different cults because we think that Christian apologetics and Christian defense and good theology needs to be discussed in terms of the world and not just in terms of a small segment of Western Christians, right? Evangelical Christians. So we're talking, we've talked broadly about worldviews all over the place on the show, but I think occasionally it's good for those theology geeks in our audience to bring it back to something like this. The other thing I want to say is, um, first of all, check it out. I've got my uh, Dr. Jonathan Pritchett Systematic Theology t-shirt on. Uh, It looks just like this. In fact, let me go ahead and and just get up here in the camera where you can really see it good. Check that out. Systematic Logic. I said Systematic Theology. Systematic Logic with Dr. Jonathan Pritchett. I think that's a... They probably couldn't hear me when I just said that. But but I, I think that's a pretty cool design. So the goal was that I was going to get a Dr. Jonathan Pritchett t-shirt, and he was going to get a Braxton Hunter t-shirt. And by the way, the Contemporary Apologetics t-shirt is my favorite design. It's and that's really the cool. one that I'm going to order. I just haven't yet because I'm... So, but you can get these. You, know. you can get all these things. I have had people ask about Trinity Radio uh, t-shirt. I'll tell you what, by the time you hear this podcast, there will be a Trinity Radio black t-shirt with white logo. Of course, you can get it in any color too if you want. And uh, we'll have that available for you. Also, want to thank our patrons. We have several patrons. Now, I I do want to say some of you all have not gotten some, some of you all have not gotten some of the stuff that was supposed to be shipped to you. Some of you have gotten some of the stuff that was supposed to be shipped. But the reason for that is because um, uh, because of apparently a snafu at Patreon, the money that, that you all have so generously donated to the show has not yet hit the bank. So right. uh, I don't know what's up with that. I'm trying to work on it, but we will get that stuff to you. And don't worry, it's not going to be an overlap. We'll send you the stuff for this month and for next month. Right. So, uh, and we're also, you'll have your, uh, for those that are uh, whatever subscriber gets it, I, uh, you're, you're going to have your extra episode of Trinity Radio this month as well. So anyway, uh, all that to say, thank you. We appreciate you. And if you'd like to give, you can just click this click somewhere or hover over the screen up here somewhere for those of you that are on the YouTube channel. Bald head. There is <laughs> yes, yeah, somewhere just up yeah. here. Uh, you can click. Uh, there's a little I thing, and you can you can give to the Patreon as well. We really do appreciate that. It allows us to do something. And by the way, we now know of people who have been saved uh, listening to Trinity Radio. I should share this Man. testimony. I know some people don't like for us to to do this and drag it on, but but here's the thing. Uh, I, we I actually got an email from a guy in Maryland who was an atheist. And he was researching the Crusades so that he could, um, so that he could use the Crusades as evidence of Christians doing evil things. I guess I don't, I don't know that for sure, but I'm imagining because he was an atheist looking into the Crusades. And I have tried forever to get it. This show used to be called the Trinity Crusades Radio Program, and I, Crusades has kind of fallen out of popularity. So I was trying to get Crusades out of it, and I cannot. There's some somewhere in iTunes. The ghost of Steve Jobs is making it be there. Uh, But because of that, this guy was researching the Crusades and found our show and started listening to this season, I guess, with the Wyma stuff. And he's no longer an atheist, and now he's a born-again Bible-thumping Christian asking me to help him find a church in Maryland to go to. Amen. And we've had other stories like that, but that's pretty cool. So if you want to be a part of that, you can give to the show um, and uh, and we really, really, really do appreciate that. And at different levels, you get different good stuff. We don't not give you extra stuff. We give you extra stuff. Yeah. So um, I think I've said all, the, all, all I want to say about that. Now, to, to set it up with this, uh, I had a debate in 2013 yeah. with Joe Myra, who is a fantastic guy. We both love the rock band, U2. And in fact, in the green room before we debated, 
we all we were talking about was you two, and we're talking about deep cuts here, man. And and so I really like Joe. Yeah, I think he he's a like great a really pastor. Guy. I think yeah. he's he's doing a great job in Miami, which is where the debate took place. And I, I, I and he and he teaches for uh, or has taught at least for New Orleans Seminary's extension program there in Miami. So uh, really, you know, academically minded guy. I, the, not all Calvinists are going to agree with what he says, that's for sure. But but when I was thinking about these new Wyma, we call them Wyma, Wyama, Wyma. These new Wyma episodes, Wyma atheist, Wyma Mormon. I thought the first thing on the audio that Joe Myra says is, I'm going to introduce to you the reasons why I'm a Calvinist. Right. And I thought, Perfect. Also, we've gotten away from the theology stuff, as I said. So yeah. let's let's get let's get to it. So I'm going to play for you. Just all I'm going to play for you is him saying that, and then I've written down the reasons. But on our YouTube channel at YouTube.com/slash/BraxtonHunter, you can go and find in the we have a debates playlist. We've got Pritchett's debate. We've got some of my debates, and you can go and listen to this full debate. And I encourage you to. It's my favorite debate that I've ever done. Um, and so, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and play for you now. By introducing you to the reasons why I am a Calvinist. Broadly, generally. All right, so he uh, goes on to list several Now this things. was his opening statement, right? Yeah. yeah. We're not going to go through the whole debate. We're just going to go through the opening statement. And that's good because usually we try, when we've had debates, we try to do a debate recap. And we've never done a debate recap on this. On this, yeah. Why are you digging up something five years old? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's why, and because he says why not. So, uh, right. all right. Uh, now, since my thoughts are already there in the debate, I'm going to make comments, but I'm going to let Dr. Pritchett uh, do a lot of the talking here on some of these. So, uh, I'll let you do that with this first point. Now, let me let me present it. Yeah. Let me say what I let me offer it charitably. Okay. okay. First thing that he says: I am a Calvinist because of the Bible. And then he goes on to point out that it's not, even though it's called Calvinism, I believe these doctrines that go by that name are actually there, were already there in the Bible. And, and so he's saying, I, the point that he's trying to make is, I believe this because I think the Bible teaches this. But he right. says, I'm a Calvinist because of the Bible. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I am not a Calvinist because of the Bible. And somebody's going to say, well, you know, I am an open theist because of, of the Bible. Or I'm, people are going to, I don't like that way of talking because, number one, everyone says that. If you just believe the Bible, you'd agree with me and you wouldn't right. be a Calvinist, right? right? Because I'm not a Calvinist because of the Bible. Right. So, yeah. Right. But, but also, we need to treat the Bible with a little bit more respect and not confer our opinions about it as if that is what it is itself because then you're giving divine authority to your opinions and not the Bible itself. Does yeah. that make sense? And yeah. I think there's a little bit of when you lack the um, epistemic humility about your doctrine, um, you, 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 can, you can become a little bit idolatrous about yeah, it. Yeah, the idea you know? is, look, here's the Bible. It teaches Calvinism. Why are you rejecting that? Right. You know, you're, why are you answering back to God? Well, I don't think that, I think, I think Joe, if he was, he doesn't here, mean that. Right. I don't, I think he would say to us, no, no, no. I mean, I realize that we got to parse it out, but I'm just telling you that I think the Bible teaches Calvinism. Right. And is this a better way of saying right, it? Right, right, right. Because if I said, I am not a Calvinist because of the Bible, every Calvinist is going to say, uh, no, the Bible actually teaches Calvinism. Right. And I'm like, for me, okay. The point is like saying, I think my philosophical arguments work because of logic. 
Right. Well, okay, there are other <laughs> philosophical arguments, and they also rely on logic. Right. The Bible says things, yeah. and we and so, and obviously, and this is this does not do any damage to our appreciation of Scripture, but sometimes what the Bible says is hard to understand. Peter said that about Paul's yeah. writings. It's now, also, it's hard now, to understand. You know, now I love the Bible. I'm a big fan. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah, and so for me, no offense to my Calvinist friends, but. I don't see Calvinism anywhere in the Bible. And, I don't see it. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I mean, it's like, how can you read John 6 or Ephesians 1 or Romans 9 and come away with Calvinism? I'm thinking, those are your passages? Uh, sorry, you like, know. You always, um, when you first came to Trinity, you said, thank God we've got Romans 9 right. and John 6 and Ephesians 1. Otherwise, we might think Calvinism was Right, true. exactly. Because, yeah. I mean, for me, it's like, you, got, you Calvinists, I'm sorry, uh, I understand what you guys say, probably better than a lot of Calvinists, because apparently Calvinists don't understand Calvinism as much as non-Calvinists do, because um, we're the only ones who are accused of never understanding Calvinists by quoting them. I will say... You know, so it, it's it, kind of weird. How, you know, wait a minute, we're the ones that are actually quoting them. And, and I don't yeah. mean to be mean, but I do mean to be a little bit snarky, because wrong, wrong. We, ha we understand Calvinism just fine, because we've read all the publishing glut since the Reformation, about Calvinist authors. So either Calvinists are the most incomprehensible and poorest of communicators of all time who shouldn't be writing theology books, or what they mean what they say, and I respect what they say, and so when I quote it, even if this Calvinist or that Calvinist doesn't like it, tough. Publish your own Calvinist Well, book, honestly, you know? I, there, I so, do have a little bit of a thing about this hang-up with yeah. you, too, because I've been now debating this or discussing it for years. And by the way, except for little things like a podcast or a blog article yeah. here or there, I have never sought a debate, neither of you. I've never sought a public debate on Calvinism. I have never intentionally written a book on Calvinism. You guys know I love to talk about this issue, and I've got eight books. Don't you think one of those would be a Calvinism book? I'm in a Calvinism book because I was asked to submit a chapter, <laughs> right. and it's uh, Anyone Can Be Saved through Whitfinstock Publishers, and I'm proud to have that there. I really am. But but I, I did, I've never gone after Calvinism. Right. But So, I, so I, I'm friendly. I always say I'm a friendly non-Calvinist. Right. I'm friendly but outspoken non-Calvinist. And so is Leighton Flowers, despite what anybody says, and so is Jonathan Pritchett, despite how his face sometimes looks <laughs> when he's talking about it. But the thing... <laughs> The thing, the thing about my, my Calvinist friends love me. It's no problem. Well, but the thing about it is, I, I do get bothered by this claim that I see so often that we don't understand Calvinism. When I know about myself right. that I poured years right. into studying this for debates, and here's the thing, folks: everybody ought to have to debate at least once in their life. And here's why: I'm not trying to be arrogant about it. Not everybody should debate, and maybe I don't know. Maybe it's better more. Uh, Holy but you should to, have the experience you know, one time. You ought to, and here's why. Because you don't anymore get to believe whatever you want to believe. Right. Because you know, I'm going to have to stand up on a stage and not just preach. I'm going to have, there's a guy across over there who's going to try to take apart everything I just said. Right. And knowing that If that's, you're lucky, or you end up in a debate where they don't bother. Yeah, where they burn straw men and yell real loud. Right. right? But if you know that's going to happen, then you have to be really careful in everything that you study and put together so that you really understand it. So that when they say you don't understand Calvinism, you can come back with, uh, yes, I do. And here are 10 guys who are Calvinists who think I'm right. right. And now, are there people who would disagree with Calvin who call themselves Calvinists? Yes. And frankly, I don't understand why they call themselves Calvinists. Yeah. And Leighton Flowers has to talk about this all the time too. Now, I know that not every Calvinist agrees. However, here's the problem when... 
you have your, uh, we used to joke when our friend Paul Cooper was a Calvinist where yeah. every time we quote a Calvinist, he would disagree. So we call it Cooperism. Yeah. I said it in the um, debate. Right. I said, you're not presenting Calvinism. You're presenting Cooperism. <laughs> but here's the thing. When you Calvinists cannot find a single scholar you agree with, then you're not a Calvinist. Because unless there is something identifiable as Calvinism, it doesn't mean anything, so you should shut up. But since we respect Calvinism enough to know that there is a tradition, and it has a set of boundaries, that this is Calvinism, you need to just accept it or stop being one. Now, now, Pritchett. That's what I do. Yeah. He does this, and then I go, No, now, I'm serious. Now, it, gets, it gets tiresome. Because you... It, you you have to accept. If you were my kid right now, yeah. you just told someone to shut up. You'd have to go stand in the corner. No, I'm serious. <laughs> if, but this is not all Calvinists. This is just the Calvinists. Click like if you want him to go yeah. stand in the corner on the next episode. Yeah. This is this is this is not all Calvinists. Many Calvinists will stand behind the statements from their spokes, their leading theologians. Yes, but a lot of them on the internet will not. And so there's no meaning if you cannot define Calvinism within a certain set of parameters, you're, then you're not one. Yeah, you've got guys out there like Paul Helm, right. who says it's determinism. Yeah. You've got John Piper, who's like, God decrees like everything, and mean, yeah. and by that he means... Right, and he does he everything. He means he determines yeah. everything. And he does everything. And spells it out. Right. And by the way, if you don't think so, I've got a video where I quote him yeah. on the problem of evil, just why do bad things right. happen to good people. These, some of these I guys love Leighton's quote where, you know, Piper just specifically, the, me talking about Calvinists right now, that's God doing it. Right. You know, that, okay. So why are so, you upset with us for right. speaking out on right. this issue? Now, if you're like, no, 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 that's a straw man. No, you don't understand. No, Calvinism. that's what you got to live with. Right. And, and so before we go any further with our debates, this is why this is this is why I love this. Wanted to do this episode because it gives me a chance to tell it. I Calvinists, wanted to talk about Scientology today. Right. Calvinists, listen to me very carefully until you one of you Calvinists has the guts to debate the people that we've debated wrong, wrong. and sort Calvinism out for yourselves. Quit talking to us and quit telling us that we don't understand Calvinism. Well, they wouldn't I, be debating the guys we debated because the guys we debated are Calvinists. No, yes. Oh, you're saying yes. why those Calvinists yeah, you are go, wrong. You Calvinists need to have your debates. We need to see these debates. Oh, I got you. Especially, yeah. especially the people that... Because uh, I actually agree with regurgitating Augustine Ministries on one thing about James White running from them. Now, I mean, according to you, we swatted them like flies, okay? So this should be no problem for an experienced, impressive guy like James White. You know, I'm not impressive, but he's impressive. Right, right. But yet he's running like a little coward from, from them. He won't debate them. I think you're both impressive. Yeah. But here's my thing. You don't get to say anything about anyone else and, to, and their understanding of Calvinism until you guys get this sorted out amongst yourselves. And, and, and make no mistake. I put my money where my mouth is because I have debate challenges hanging out there right now against non-Calvinists. Yeah. Armenians and traditionalists, they, they, there's a bunch of things that they need to debate. Yeah. And there's a bunch of things right now in the at least the internet Calvinist world that you guys need to debate because you're crumbling at the seams, uh, sniping at each other and, and all of that. Yeah. yeah. So look, go fix this and do it publicly in a moderated debate. Calvinists, take on Calvinists. And will the real Calvinist please stand up? All right, Eminem. Uh, <laughs> look, here's the thing. Joe Myers, saying, Joe Myers is a real thoroughgoing Calvinist. Yeah. He's the real deal. All right. And I think regurgitating. And uh, people are going to hear this and they're going to be like, no, Joe Myers is not. Go debating. Anyone who says there's no free will doesn't understand Calvinism. Go debating. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I Go mean, debate I, him or shut I up. I think this guy yeah. is right about <laughs> Calvinism. And I think, I think the guys that Leighton and I debated are right about Calvinism.
Yeah. You disagree yeah. with that? Don't prove it to me because I'm convinced they're right. Okay, you go they prove got, it to they me. got it. They got it. Yeah. Let's go on to the next thing. Or, or again, his, his second reason. Be in the corner. Shut up if, you, if you're not going to do you're it. You're going to have to go to yeah. the corner now. Right. Click like if you want to see Dr. Fish at the corner. <laughs> um, next, uh, next issue, why he's a Calvinist, because right. it reserves the glory for God. No other scheme provides singular glory for God. And by the way, when you're doing a debate, as I was in this debate, and you're sitting there on the stage, and you're nervous. Yeah. Any, anyone who's not nervous is not taking it seriously enough. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes. You know, I'm listening to this. And it wasn't on this point, but maybe about the next point is where I started. it started kind of coming together. and Because you don't know where, where he's going to go, so you don't know where you're going to have to go. Right. So I, when it started coming together, I was feeling much more comfortable for the very reason that, okay, he's a Calvinist. And if he's really a Calvinist, I know how to respond to really a Calvinist. Right. I know how to respond to the other guys too. It's just you got to figure out where they are first, yeah. you know. So he says, because it reserves the glory for God, and he goes on to say that no other scheme, no other theological system provides that kind of glory for God where he's responsible for every single aspect of your salvation, from right. your faith to your uh, regeneration, to your sustaining your salvation, the whole thing. The, the problem with that is that it's not actually true, and it's built upon what I think is actually a straw man. Um, because nobody that I know of, it, it, the claim is, is that if you respond to God through a libertarian type of free will, then you can glorify yourself. Right. But this is a misunderstanding of what glory is about. It's a misunderstanding of what um, salvation is about. Because... Uh, when people ask me, do, are you born again because of you or because of God? God. God is the one who puts you in a new family. Right. Your belief does not put you in a new family. You could, if God was a whimsical God, he could, uh, you could repent and believe in Jesus and him like so. But yeah, but the Bible says so. But that's not who God is. Right. So that there is a mechanism for this doesn't mean that you born again yourself. By the way, that whole mechanism yeah. is a gift. Right. But it doesn't mean that you are not interactive. Right. And if you have a problem by saying interactive, let me, let, let's break it down. You said glory. Yeah. That's a misunderstanding of glory. Glory yeah. is an honor term, right? Yes. It, it's honor. Right. Glory is honor. So if you reject God's gift, is that dishonorable? Yes. If you accept that God's gift, is that honorable? Well, it's not dishonorable, right? right. You're, you're, you would be dishonoring him not to accept the gift. But it doesn't mean that it's so honorable. But if you understood you to... how to proclaim the honor of your patron, that's what exactly goes into faithfulness. The, the patron is the one who gives you the gift mm -hmm. okay? That, that you can't obtain on your own. Mm -hmm. So in the ethos of the ancient Mediterranean world, the glory is demanded in just the, the, just the social expectation to be given to the giver of the gift. Not You don't get credit for getting something you couldn't obtain on your own in the first place. Right. So it's... It's unthinkable in the ancient Mediterranean world that you would give some of the glory to yourself for having done this. And here's the thing. I have never met a single Christian ever who takes credit for their salvation. Right. That's never. Right. Never, ever. Never heard of it. Look any. how awesome I am. I believe in Jesus. Well, that's what I said in the debate. I'm right. like, nobody, you give me a Christmas present, and I'm like, look how look how cool I am that right. I receive that present. Look how well I receive that present. No. And I think Dave Hunt, way back, you know, Dave yeah. Hunt, I think he did a great job of putting it very simply. 
if you, if, if, if I am going to, uh, and don't take, no, I'm not even going to add a bunch of details to this analogy because then you'll say it's not a correct analogy. So let's just say, if, if I owe a debt and you write me a check to, that will pay off that debt or something like that, and you give it to me, and, and I couldn't have gotten it on my own. I had right. no way to get it. But and, I do have to endorse the back well, of the let's, check. Let's, let's change this one thing just okay. to make it make sense. Okay. With you might mess it up. No, I won't. Okay. Not only, no. It, 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 you you are the last person in the world that should have someone write that check. Right. You're so ill, not just undeserving, ill-deserving. Yeah. And yet somebody's doing And I've even you. done the one writing the check wrong. Right. Right. I've done him wrong. Right. And he writes me the check and then, okay, but before I can put it in the bank, I do have to endorse the back. And when I endorsed the back, I earned every cent. <laughs> Who says that? Nobody. Right? Nobody, Nobody says, says that. that. I endorsed it because that's what's required yeah, in order to obtain Yeah, but at least no one money. should boast. But there, there's another thing. Oh, but you, I can hear him now. But you put your own name on it right, right there with God, synergist. Look, come on, man. You know, well, give me a break. <laughs> first, I, I'm thankful for the fact that synergism is a word that has an etymological history to it that goes beyond... Um, 170 years ago, where they invented the word monergism, which is not even a real word. That's I like that you had up. trouble saying it. Yeah, monergism <laughs> is a word that you made up. Okay, that, that but anyway, uh, but synergism is actually a word, and it's actually a word that you find in the Bible. And, and he actually, knows it's you know, okay to make up theological word. That's not the point. Right. Yeah, he's talking about the history, though. Well, right. yeah, the etymology of, yeah. of the word. It's in the Bible. Right. So I have a word that's in the Bible that if you want to saddle me, synergism, who cares? Uh, and this is the point, um, but I, I do think I do think another point about well, okay, but you can boast that you got the check and you endorsed it. <laughs> but this is a this is an exegetical moment for everybody, not not simply Calvinists, but Arminians, traditional, whoever else. Boasting not from works, least any man should boast. What is boasting? There is a phenomenal article out there that covers this, um, and. I can't remember the author, but boasting when it's paired it with works, no, it's not. It's it's. I mean, I don't know why this is an issue. Why people apply boasting to? Oh, if you believe, you can boast or something like. It's because just, boasting it's, it's is so mind-boggling. Yeah, and I boasting don't think... in the context of Paul, though, is about national boasting. It's not of works, which is tied to Jewish works of the law. It uh, people um, recently made this mistake on a thread that I read recently. Our friend, I love you. He made this mistake. He's like, if you think something, that's work. And that's what this Ergon in the Greek. Oh, my and, and, gosh. Yeah, he made this mistake. Now, 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 now look, works is a, is a very, it's an economic term, and it's a very has a very specific meaning in, in the context of Pauline theology. And the reason why it's contrasted with grace, which is also an economic term, not a religious term, it's socioeconomics in the ancient Mediterranean world. Yeah. It's, a, it's a difference in economic systems that Paul's using metaphorically. Right. Okay. So remember but, that when you talk right. about prevenient but, grace, here's but works grace. is tied to the Jewish righteousness scheme, and the boasting, if you do it by works, then you're you're, and think about it in the context of Ephesians. What is it? What 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 is in chapter one? You and us, we the Jews, you the Gentiles, us the Jew plus Gentile people. In, God. in chapter two, later on in that same chapter, chapter two, what is it about tearing down the dividing wall? And making one new man from the two, boasting and boasting, same deal in Romans, talking about boasting, is about if it's by works, then Jews can boast, right? Because they have a national identity that's exclusive 
to everyone else and rather than inclusive, which right. Christ is inclusive. So that's what that boasting, boasting is not bragging on your own merits because even the Jews didn't think of this as a merit system. Um, that's another Lutheran hangover that has really no bearing. So, but here's the thing that I want to add to that. So he's got an exegetical confusion if here about if, this whole thing. If you're talking about glory too, quit acting like, because, yeah. you know, I get it. You want to you want to uphold a high view of God. I get you want to have a high uh, theology proper. I get it, but understand that there's more. There's at stake. There, there's something at stake either way. It's not like you're erring on the side of caution here, because I want you to just imagine with me for a minute. And I know it may be difficult, but it's difficult for me when it has to do with my views on things. But I want you to think for a minute, honestly, about what if we're right. I know you don't think we are, but what if we're right? And Calvinism is false. I mean, think about what you're saying now about God. You're saying, if we're right, that God is this deterministic being when in reality God wants us to have libertarian free will to make a real choice. Now, I understand you, you think, well, yeah, but God still has the right to send everybody to hell and all that. But, but think about yeah, it. Yeah, we don't you actually could, disagree with you that. Could, but you could be doing something dishonorable to the nature of God if you're wrong. So there's something at stake either way. Because if you're wrong, I'll tell you, I do think this is an inverse of justice. If you say, if we say, uh, you know, uh, the invisible things of God as eternal attributes and divine nature are clearly seen through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Who are without excuse? These idolaters that aren't worshiping the one true God. If you're without excuse. Now, uh, I've used this analogy before and I used it with uh, Sean Cole and Tyler Vela. But the thing about it is, if I tell my daughter that she needs to pick up her doll, which weighs, weighs less than a pound. My daughter is only, my oldest daughter even, 10 years old. Tell her to pick up her doll and take it upstairs to the bedroom, and she doesn't do it. Then I, she has no excuse, because she's perfectly capable of picking up that doll and taking it up to her room. But if I tell her to pick up the couch with me laying on it, and take me and the couch, all of it, up, up, up to her bedroom, and she doesn't do it, has she got an excuse? Yeah, she's got a darn good excuse. It literally wasn't possible for her right. to do it. And I think it would be unjust for me to then punish her. And every Calvinist would think that would be unjust for me right. to punish her for doing that. Now, I recently said this online and had someone say to me, yeah, but that's different because you're talking about physical ability and we're talking about spiritual ability or will ability or yeah. yeah, stuff like that. That is to completely miss the point. In both cases, it's not. it doesn't matter whether it's physical. It doesn't matter if it happens in North America or Australia or what. That's not the point. The point is... In both cases, someone is commanded to do something that they're not able to do and punished for it. And in both cases, that is unjust. Yeah, and as I mentioned in my debate, there, we have a case of this in the Bible of the most unjust person in the world. That's Pharaoh with commanding that they build, uh, they have X amount of bricks, but with holding everything that they can have, uh, the straw. Yeah, so they to make their own bricks. To make their own bricks. And he commanded the impossible, and that's part of what made him so unjust. Right. And, right. and 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 so now before I, I ask the question it. in the debate: Is God like Pharaoh? Oh, that's good. And is well, everything I said in the debate was good? That's why the people who thought I, I was unimpressive I right. at Alpha Omega Ministries did not want to. They wanted to critique every word of Layton. They did not want to go through my opening right. statement, and they didn't want to go past what I said about the early church fathers. Um, however, you know. If you actually listen to what I said, because if you, if you've only heard the 
critiques, and you haven't watched the debate, I think everyone's seen the debate, though. If you haven't watched all the critiques, go watch them, because they don't want a piece of me. <laughs> they didn't take a piece of me at Bible Thumbing Windows. Now, now, now he's boasting. Take, yeah, no, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm throwing down a gauntlet, because I want to hear what people actually have to say about yeah, my Yeah, I statement. don't throw gauntlets. Yeah, people throw them to me, and I accept them when they're thrown down. Because I want an answer. Is God like Pharaoh, yes or no? And would Paul agree with you that God is like Pharaoh, yes or no? Right. And if you say yes, you're you're it's absurd. If you say no, then you actually you agree have to with explain so, the Romans one twenty thing, right? So, but but here's but here's the thing that I want to finish with this because that is great. What you're saying is God is just, and I've just said if God does that, God's unjust. And what people will say back to me is they'll say, "No, he's not unjust, even on your scheme. Even if, well, if he command, oh no, on our scheme, if he commands you to do something and you literally can't do it, you're not punished because you didn't do that. You're punished because you're a sinner, and even you non-Calvinists agree." that everybody's a sinner and everybody's deserving. You're right. I do agree with the Calvinists on that. It's just that, on my view, they became sinners on their own. Now, they inherited a nature and environment inclined towards sin for, from Adam, but the Baptist faith, the message, doesn't affirm original guilt. I don't no. believe you have a guilt nature. I believe you're culpable for your own, your own sin when you sin. So I actually think because of libertarian freedom, people end up making their own mistakes, doing doing their own sin, and yeah, now you're without excuse. But on the Calvinist system, whether or not Calvinists understand this or are willing to admit it, go listen to Paul Helm, listen to John Piper, listen to these guys. It's determinism. Mm -hmm. And on determinism, the sins that you committed, God determined that you would commit. Right. So God determined that this would happen. And if you say, well... And it's he, not even just a decree. A decree is saying, a decree is to issue a commandment you know, let there be light. That's a decree. Yeah. Uh, this is not just a decree that a creation comes into existence. It's a determination that that the only reason why anything happens in the cosmos is because God is making it happen. I don't care if you come up with a, the most elaborate secondary cause causation system in the world. If you believe in determinism, then there's only one inevitability. Right. Period. And, and the, the only reason why there is that inevitability is not because... You chose it, and God foreknew that, but because God determined you to choose that. Right. And so people will say at this point, well, that's because you're thinking of hard divine determinism. We're talking about compatibilism. Here's the thing with compatibilism. Just if you, First of all, as you know, Dr. Pritchett, yeah. I have long been waiting. You've been waiting for someone to deal with your Pharaoh thing. I've long been waiting for someone to tell me a meaningful difference that is not merely terminological between determinism, whatever, divine hard determinism, and compatibilism. There's not one. No. Let me well, give you a picture some, for this. We have had some honest Calvinists say, yeah, if you're talking about the determinism, horn of compatibilism, and hard determinism, there is no distinction. We just grab this and language. Call that freedom. And call that, yeah. But, okay, let me give you a great analogy that you can use that will not help you. Here's what you do. Get a long hallway and set up some dominoes. In the one case, knock them over sideways, right? Like in each case, so that you're the one knocking over every single domino. Call that hard determinism. In the second case, set them all up. You're the one that set them up. You're the one that put them where they go. And then just kick over the first one, like we do with dominoes, and let the chain fall. Call that compatibilism. That's fine. You're, you're passively letting them do what's within their nature to do. After you set them up to fall the way they would right. fall and kicked off the first one. There is nothing more complicated about it than that. In both cases, everything is determined by God. Uh, from and all the dominoes are... 
on their side. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. And so, so yeah, they'll get it. They're like, oh, there's a side on one, and they're. It's <laughs> not the point. The point is, in both cases, you get the. It's determinism. It's determinism. Right. And and uh, there are Calvinists who will admit this. And John Calvin even got upset in his day. People were acting like, uh, like certain thing, like like the reprobate that God didn't make them the reprobate. And he's like, you hold on a second. God's <laughs> doing all of this stuff, right. you know. So if you don't want to be a Calvinist, don't be a Calvinist. Be uh, something else. I was going to say be a Meyerist, but that's the name of the cult on that new uh, show on Hulu. <laughs> you can be a Meyerist. You could be a you could be a Cooperist. You could be a, all right. Let's move on. It makes sense of perseverance. He says. So if you have if if you have a belief in eternal security, he thinks that Calvinism makes sense of that. Now I know that you don't accept eternal security. Yeah, I do. And uh, well, a when you're secured in eternity, of the believer, right? The <laughs> eternal security of the believer, as long yeah. as you believe and don't apostatize. Right. Um, Okay, whereas Wesleyan Arminians, many of them would say you can sin enough that now you're not, yeah. but it's not like 14 and a half sins, uh, or they believe you can apostatize. And Reformed Arminians would say you can, uh, you, you have to apostatize. You don't sin enough to lose your salvation. Right, if you, but if you do that apostasy, you're, what you a lot of them will say you're yeah, done. You, yeah, and in that book that I recently read uh, on eternal security, the, the counter, Zondervan book, the, the Counterpoints book, it, the guy even said, not everybody's with me on this, but but yeah. the view is that once you're out, you're out. There's no getting back in, and that's worse than before you right. started. Okay, but your view is more like his, except you could get back in, right? Uh, yes, and and, and I would have... Uh, see, this is why I'm saying we need to have debates not between Calvinists and non-Calvinists. Between Arminians, between Calvinists. Yeah, we need to have debates, yeah, because because I, I would... I would um, point out why why do you believe in in, in uh, <laughs> God threatens to cut off vines but you don't believe that the vine was ever attached in the first place to be cut I mean I would go through the whole thing uh, and rip up well perseverance you know it's perseverance through faith um, you know he who <laughs> perseveres to the end will be saved right you know um, and so he would say well that's a descriptive text not a prescriptive text yeah but you can elic- you can extract a prescription to persevere to the end, which is why Jesus said it in the first place. Well, so the descriptive statements do have the, I, some people try to get around uh, descriptive, like they'll say it's a descriptive state phrase that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Or if you confess with your mouth, yeah, that people Jesus that do that would, happen to be saved. Yeah. That's a, yeah. <laughs> that's a descriptive statement. Yes. But you can, you can infer a prescription that if you do do those things, yeah, and so it's still an if-then conditional. Yeah. So even though I actually agree that it is a descriptive statement that if this defines you, then you, this is who are the saved people. It's not like a formula. It's not as though you can't then do that. Right. right. But what, what, what's the inference from that? Oh, well, if I want to be among the saved people, then I need to confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised right. him from the dead Just too. Like, and, and so it, there's still, it's a prescription either way. Don't try that that. There's there's nothing in the Greek. There's no, don't try that. That's a silly argument, and you should stop doing silly arguments. And if you were a person yeah. living during the time of Jesus, because I think that's contextually relevant to John six. Yeah. And when if you want to be drawn to Jesus, you want to be drawn here and yeah. learn from the Father, right. because that's what the Bible says. He who has heard and learned from the Father, past tense, comes to me, present tense. Right. And, I mean, that. That, that, yeah. It's a, and it's a it's a pesher interpretation that Jesus is pulling from Isaiah. We're yeah. saying that that Isaiah was talking about is this right now. Right. So, uh, so I now yeah. that's how you would respond. Here's my thing on this statement: it makes sense of perseverance. It it does. I agree that Calvinism makes sense of uh, a doctrine of eternal security, or even of perseverance, even the warning passages in the Bible. 
the problem is it doesn't make sense of them uh, plausibly for me. Right. Because if a good argument needs to have premises that are plausible, which means more likely to be true than false. And I, people can just say, well, you're just wrong about this, but okay, fine. I'm telling you, I do not think it's plausible that the warning passages are, as some people say, like Tom Schreiner, well, those warning passages are there to scare people so that they remain in perseverance right. and, and, and everyone does end up persevering, yeah, but it's precisely because of those warning passages. Let me go off about this for a second, because here's what bothers me about that statement, because here's what that would mean. There are a lot of people who are born again believers today who haven't read most of the Bible, right? Yeah. There are a lot of people like that. So, but the really serious Bible students have read the Bible, seen the warning passages, understand that they're warning passages. So if you think that the warning passages are the are what's keeping people from falling away, it, yeah. then that means that the people who are most likely to fall away are the people who are studying their Bible the most. And that just <laughs> makes absolutely no right. sense to me. And, plus, Schreiner's thing is, this is the silliest art. Which I don't know if that's how he goes the, about this. Yeah, but but we know how Schreiner goes about it. It's the silliest argument in the world. You shouldn't believe it. You shouldn't use it. No offense. I mean, Thomas Schreiner is a well-respected scholar who, this is ridiculous. Because you can lose your salvation because those mean what they say, you can't. Well, you can but, lose your salvation, so you can't, because they mean what they say, and those are the means by which God scares the elect so to stay can't. elect. Yeah. So because you can, you can't. That's ridiculous. That's what it reduces to. So it's ridiculous. Perseverance. Here's what I would love for Southern Baptists to understand that listen to this. I don't think that perseverance of the saints is the same thing as what most Baptists mean when they say eternal security. And what happens is most Southern Baptists who are not Calvinists will say, "Well, I'm at least a one or a two point because I take total depravity and perseverance." I don't think so because I don't think the way the Calvinist describes total uh, depravity, total inability, is right. what you mean. And I don't think that the, what they mean, the perseverance of the saints, is what you mean yeah. when you say if eternal security. If you're showing, it, it, it's, 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 it's the caricature of works righteousness, not what it's actually Paul's talking about, but what Luther was talking about. It's like, they Luther believed that Jews thought that if they had more good than bad at the end of the day, and the scales weighed out, then then you'd be saved, which is not what they believed. But you're going to go that, a new perspective on Paul here, aren't you? No, but even if that's what he believed, and that's what the reformers and the Lutherans are rebuking, they they circle right back around to it with perseverance of the saints, because they'll say you'll know that you are in the kingdom when you make it. When yeah, either well, Augustine said when you make it, you'll find out in heaven that you were one of the elect. But but what reformers who affirm perseverance the saints is, look at your life, okay? Have you persevered? Are you persevering? Are you, yeah. Do you show enough fruit? Well, that becomes subjective. Which means they have a lot, and I know a lot of people. And you're back on the scale. You have worried for their salvation. Yes. I don't know. And here's the thing. If you think that's silly, because I always hear these Calvinists, and and I still affirm eternal security, but I've heard a lot of Calvinists say, you know what? Uh, Those people who don't affirm perseverance of the saints or eternal security, they don't, they have this sloppy, you know, they never know if they're in or out. That is a, that is a straw man as a caricature, because here's the thing, at least among, at least among the people who take the approach that, um, you know, a lot of like the reformed Arminians, except you can get back in and Dr. Pritchett and all these that you can apostatize, but not that you sin enough to lose your salvation. That's a serious distinction. And if you believe that you can apostatize, then all Dr. Pritchett needs to do to know that he's eternally secure from his perspective is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't defect from the team, dummy. Why, right. you know, why exactly. would you defect? Right. And he has no intention of defecting. Yeah. So the Calvinists, on the other hand, 
says, well, yeah, but I don't even have to worry about that because I will persevere. I, I, okay, but here, understand this. Take, let's do an analogy. I said this on Bible Brodown. Take a guy who is going to uh, live, this guy is an evangelist. He leads thousands of people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he becomes an atheist. Uh, uh, Charles Templeton, for example. He becomes an atheist and then, uh, and then later he dies. What do we say happened to that guy? Okay, here's the only difference is the person who affirms eternal security will say, he never was saved to begin with. He went out from us because he was not of us. If he'd been of us, he wouldn't have gone out from us. And so it, I guess, you know, uh, he, he, he just never was saved. Okay, fine. But you're still going to try to reach that person, right? Yeah, of course. The person who believes you can apostatize, but not that you can sin enough to lose your salvation, is going to say about that person, uh, he was saved and he fell away. He fell from grace. He stopped believing. And since people like Dr. Pritchett think he can still get saved again, then I'm still going to go after them, right? right? And try to see him saved. What is the difference between these two views? Nothing. The only difference is conceptual. Now, are conceptual differences important? Yes, we're theologians. But practically speaking, I'm not seeing very much at stake. Both people are just going to describe the situation differently and she'll still try to reach this person for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is important, I think, for people to understand about this debate. Yes. I agree with that. So, um, all right, let's... But, but Calvinist perseverance of saints still runs back into... Oh, but that's, oh, that's yeah. I was going to cap it off with this. The Calvinists actually... Have there been really strong Calvinists who seem to really be serious about all this and, and even themselves thought, I am serious about this, who then later fell away? Have there been Calvinists like that? Yeah. Yes, there have. I know of one uh, who I tried to minister to online for a while. He used to be online and he became a, I think he was at SBC ish. Uh, ES, no, that's SBC. Today? What is, no, the other one. Voices. Voices. I think he used to be at something, or at least he posted there, and now he's he's an atheist. And I tried to, okay, so you, if Calvinism is true, you may be like that. Later, you may fall away. And you know what? Right. If you do, and if Calvinism is true, you're not going to see it coming because it's determinism. You know. Right. So I'm not trying to be a jerk here. I'm trying to say, quit acting like the people that believe this view don't have any security, and you do. It's not exactly like that. Yeah, and, and I, I think there are arguments to be made that, that uh, now conceptually, yeah, it makes sense in a conceptual world for perseverance of the saints. If God picked you in eternity, you're going to be on the other side of eternity. Fine, that doesn't make a hill of beans to you, especially when Calvin goes out of his way to explain this evanescent grace. Oh, I, I was wondering if yeah. we we're going to talk about evanescent right. grace. So, no, I'm just saying, I, that's just Google a, it. That's a wash. This this idea that it makes the most sense of perseverance. That, that's a that's a wash. It makes sense of perseverance is what he says, and it does make, it gives a scheme that I don't see a contradiction in that works. The question is, is it plausible? No. We're saying not in the least. Okay. All right. Um, uh, provides incentive for evangelism. Now, as I said in the debate, I think this is not, if you're going to do, if you're going to have an academic debate, what we're trying to find out is, is Calvinism true? Right. Whether or not Calvinism is true has nothing really to do, you maybe could make an argument, but it really doesn't have anything to do with whether or not Calvinists act a certain way about evangelism. Um, that's, not, that, that's not the point. So I told him in the debate, I'm like, I'm not here to debate that. And Paul Cooper in his debate, he went off forever about, I just like, when is he going to stop talking about the evangelism thing? It was important to him because people do hear that. Right. But the thing is, I, I, yeah. who cares? I mean, I, I care never, that people are evangelized. Right. But a lot of the Calvinists I know, they are doing that. I have never, yeah. I know, uh, 
I know a lot of evangelistic Calvinists. I know some who are not. I know a lot of evangelistic non-Calvinists, and I know some who are not. It, it, that, that's, but for, I'm like you. Who cares? I'm glad for all the evangelism that happens. I'm mad about the evangelism that doesn't. Um, but correlation is not causation, but you know what correlation is? It's correlation. Evidence. It's correlation. <laughs> yeah. And as Calvinism has increased in y'all's sacred and holy Southern Baptist Convention, evangelism has gone down. So while that's not evidence, you cannot just say, well, <laughs> yeah, but Calvinism doesn't have anything to do with the evangelism. Yeah, Calvinism, I, are, now, now, I, I agree, has no bearing on what is true. But there is an interesting correlation with the increase of Calvinism in evangelicalism in general and the uh, holier-than-thou Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah, but there's an, also an increase in Braxton Hunters in the Southern Baptist Convention since the 1940s, and there's been a decrease in Baptists. I, I don't do that. Yeah. Here's what you realize. There's, you know, you could also say... I'm and, just saying it's a correlation, okay. and, 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 and while I agree with you, who cares? It has nothing to do with whether or not something's true, and there are tons of it's evangelism. It's a data point. Yeah, and you guys are wonderful okay. about evangelism. Who cares? I agree with you on that, but at the same time, if somebody points out a fact about reality that there is don't a deny reality. Don't true. deny reality. But now let me say a few things about this. Okay, yeah. they're against what you're saying. There, what I think has happened is, you know, everybody talks about the beard-wearing, skinny-jean-wearing, uh, beer-and-Bible-study Calvinist. Look, they're, they're, as Calvinism has become more popular among younger theologians coming out of seminary, these other things in the culture are also becoming more popular. And those things in the culture, like a, a church that doesn't have an altar call or American flags or whatever, doesn't do door-to-door -door evangelism, whatever thing you want to put in that bucket— yeah, Calvinists sometimes are the same people as those people, but there's a lot of those people who don't wouldn't be able to follow our discussion right now because they wouldn't understand <laughs> enough theology to know it, and they're also not doing you know. So, now, so I, plus this other thing. And you use beard oils, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I use a beard oil. Yeah, a beard, I, I know. A beard balm. Uh, but but here's the other thing. Calvinist. The I look like a Calvinist. <laughs> I mean, when people see me, they your probably beard's think, not long enough. Yeah. Well, but but here's the thing. I, I really want this to be said. The Calvinists that we're talking about, yeah. the ones that we think, and I know this is offensive, uh, newsflash, we disagree with each other, okay? <laughs> but we, uh, they're inconsistent. We think they're inconsistent, the ones that we're talking about. They do not see why Calvinism means determinism. Right. They do not see why uh, all these things that we're saying are, are true on our perspective. So, since they're inconsistent, even though they affirm Calvinism, uh, at least terminologically, yeah. they aren't saying that God is the source of all evil, and they're still evangelistic. Andy Pittman, for example, a friend of ours, friend of the love, show, Andy Pittman Jr. He's very evangelistic. In fact, yeah. he says we convinced him about the altar call that it's nothing wrong but with the altar note call. That he has, to, but no, <laughs> that he has to go hang with the Methodist when he wants to do evangelism. But the point is, another interesting. A, a lot of these guys are evangelistic. I'm not, yeah. so I don't think that flies. And the reason they're evangelistic is because he, they don't accept what we're saying about Calvinism. Right. But anyway, here's 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 another little thing. Um, there is, though, in favor of what you're saying, <laughs> I will full disclosure say there is a piece of audio out there. And I don't know how you're going to find it except to Google these guys' names. That has Ed Stetzer, Trevin Wax, Frank Page, and David Platt in having a panel discussion. And I think there's two of them, and in one of them, and I don't know which, Ed Stetzer. Trevin Wax is waxing eloquent, 
And and Ed Sedger says, yeah, but I think, I, all right, I'm trying to be careful here. Says something like, yeah, but come on, let's admit it. Those of us who are more reformed in our thinking that there is a problem with the evangelism there. And Trevin Wax hems and haws about it for ages. And then finally, uh, I think, agrees. But I, there's something there. Yeah. If I'm telling this wrong, I will repent publicly. But but go look for that. I should have yeah. checked it before the show. And by the way, Calvinists who have been hanging in for what forty some odd minutes now, way to go! Because I hung in there. You get in, you get I hung in. in there for a what two and a half, three day monologue of together for the gospel. You can put up with us ranting for forty minutes yeah. because I the, the amount of if you think what we're saying is nonsense, the amount of just gibberish that came out of Al Mohler and Legan Duncan's mouth when they had their little. Uh, one on, when they had their little, just the two of them talking, the, just the jibber jabber that came out of their mouths, the, just dribbling all over themselves of incoherent nonsense. Um, no offense, Al. Who did you list? I, Al Mohler and Legan Duncan. Oh, okay. They, 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 was Tim Keller the there? Well, I don't know. I mean, but I liked the Keller. two of them were on just the two of them talking the most ridiculous nonsense um, ever. And I, I endured that so you can endure this. Okay, here comes our favorite. Are you ready? Why I'm a Calvinist. Why I'm a, why I'm a Calvinist. Mm-hmm. I'm a Calvinist because of discomfort. It give, it troubles my mind and soul, Yeah, which is challenging, and you would expect trying to understand God would be challenging. And, and then he goes on to say stuff about... It um, should kind of not be... I don't want to say he's saying it might not make sense. But, but that's he's kind of he's saying, saying it doesn't really make sense, because, it, but it's kind of like right. poetry, a good poetry. Right. And he says everything he says. So, he says beautifully. He's a great speaker. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you could turn him on and and you know, he, if we're talking a, to Southern Baptists, pour yourself a, a glass good, yeah. of Welch's uh, whatever and and sit there and relax. I mean, he's yeah. a nice. He needs nice to person. read classic literature and for Audible. For that, Audible, yeah, that's what he needs to do yeah. because he 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 is good to listen to. But what does that mean? It's discomforting. It kind of seems like it doesn't really. It's challenging. It doesn't seem to work right. Calvinism with the mind. is true because it makes no sense. Is what I heard him Even say. Even the Calvinist, he I, didn't say that, but that's what I well, hear. That's when he what was everybody talking. heard him say. And <laughs> I'm giving him credit because I think I know what he means. It, yeah. You wouldn't expect to be able to understand very easily the mind of God, and it, it, it is uh, you know archetypal knowledge and all that stuff. But but even the Calvinist I debated next, which was Paul Cooper, uh, who's no longer a Calvinist now. Paul Cooper. Uh, in his opening statements, criticized my former debating partner, Joe Myers, says, what's this business about it being disconcerting or whatever? And he got it wrong, whatever he said it was. But yeah, but yeah, but yeah I don't, that it see, is hard to understand doesn't make it true. <laughs> There's a lot of things that evolution is hard to understand. I doubt many of you that are Calvinists think that evolution is true. I certainly don't. Uh, I, you know, I'm I, with you. <laughs> I, you know, uh, uh, a lot of things are hard. Let's think of some other crazy things that are hard to understand that aren't true. And there are a lot of Calvinists who do believe that evolution is true. Mormonism is hard to understand. Jehovah's Witnesses are hard to understand. I'm not equating Calvinism with those. Chill out. Uh, they're hard to understand doesn't make them true. Right. It doesn't even provide any evidence that they might be true. If anything, it provides evidence they're not true. Right. right. And what, what, yeah. what Joe is wanting to say is he's wanting to say... Oh, you're going to be nice to Joe. That, yeah. Oh, you like Joe? Joe? Uh, yes, Joe Myra is great. I, I, Do you share his musical taste? Yeah, I like you too. Okay. Uh, I, I, How that's this really Nuclear Bomb is like the worst album of all time, but yeah. uh, other than that, I like you too. Yeah. Um, it's not the worst album of all time. Yeah, it really is. It's not even the worst U2 album. It's that too. Um, the, the, um, the thing about Joe, and I listened to several of his sermons because I wanted to, who, who is 
Because I didn't. Even, I would hear you were you were some guy in Indiana, and I was some guy in Arkansas at this point. Yeah, this been. debate happened just about the time we started meeting. Yeah, and I went and listened to Joe Myers, and he's really good preacher too. Oh, I love him. And I know that love he it. loves his people, and I know that he's got Absolutely, a heart for Miami. And, and oh, love, pause. You know yeah. what was the hardest thing about that debate? It was also the hardest thing about my debate with Paul Cooper, but it was much harder with Joe Myra because I didn't know Joe. Is I'm up here talking about the rape and murder of children, the you know genocide, all these things. And I'm saying if Calvinism is true, then determinism is true, which means that happened because God determined and wanted that as part of the picture He's painting and all that. Yeah. And I'm saying this, and right like like just, you know just on the front row is his wife, is Joe Myra's wife, and she's looking up at me, and I and and I'm saying this about what her husband believes, <laughs> and I'm sitting here feeling like horrible. I even kind of think I said yeah. some Braxton Hunter type things in the bit, like, "Look, folks, I'm not, you know, I try to back it off because the Braxton Hunter I, things. Yeah, of, I'm not really trying to be a jerk. That's Pritchett. You know, uh, <laughs> Billy Wendelin's wife said to me, I uh, said to him to tell to me that she's reading my novel Chronicles of the Adonite, in which case the atheists are the bad guys. Yeah, and, Canadian atheists. And, I love it. it's the. <laughs> Best villains ever, Canadian atheists. And in the in the beginning, <laughs> yeah. you did you I told me you told me not to do this when I originally published the book, but I did it. In the front, I have this caveat page. Yeah. It's like, look, not everybody who's an atheist are like these people. Obviously, there are many heroic atheists. But if they're Canadian atheists, that's what you need to put in the next novel. <laughs> hey, I've got Canadian, Canadian atheists Canadian are the friends worst. now. Yeah. You be careful. I've got Canadian atheists. And they'll friends. tell you that Canadian atheists were the perfect okay. villains for right. the book. <laughs> but, and it's the other side of the country but uh but here's the thing so you thought that that would be safe if i just pick on canada I, it never crossed my mind <laughs> i looked for a spot on the map never mind i'll give away the book does that blame canada oh by the way from, next uh, month is chronicles you and the south adonai. park guys next month is chronicles of the adonai part two so if you haven't read chronicles of the adonai part yeah. one go get it right now today you get an ebook of it's like three dollars or something maybe even less than that but you really want the book and i actually have read it like for those who knew that in case they missed it, I have read the book finally. Yeah. I even liked it. Okay. Well, we got to move on because we're about to run out. But you and the South Park guys, you both love just Canada. You just. I've never seen rip. South Park. What are you talking about? Uh, because Calvinism <laughs> helps me pastor my people. I can see that. All right. Talk about it. Well, look, if, if, if you have a theological system that you've bought into, mm -hmm. you are going to find a way to bring out. The good points of it, and and when you have that, it's going to give you comfort that you can just yeah. Sit God's there. in control, right? God's so no matter him. what happens, you know you're you're you know go into those ugly things. Your daughter was raped, but you know God has a plan. But God has a plan. He's going right. to bring something beautiful out of that. Right. That didn't catch him off guard. Didn't surprise him. Of course, right. we don't think it did either. But um, yeah. But yeah, uh, that it does. It does. It does help. Now we got to wrap it up because we're going to run out of uh, time here. So was there something just on your lip? Well, you no. My thing is, is that that's fine. Whatever. What look, pastors have it tough, and all pastors have more so than scholars. Pastors have a grid that they usually have to follow for the ordination and whatever else, and they've got a. Whatever they believe that the Bible teaches, they're the the and I've heard Calvinists say wonderful things about Calvinism. Oh, God has set His love on us, but individually, specifically, you know, wanted you to be, you know, all that stuff. They find a way to pastors find a way within their theological systems to do the job that they have to do as pastors, and that's a tougher job than than, than people yeah. realize. And so that's fair. If if whatever helps him. You want it to be true, 
But he's not, he's still a Calvinist. He didn't, he's not convinced. He's not lying. He believes this is true. Right. Right. So, you know, be the best pastor you can be for your people. What I, yeah. So there you go. I have no, you can't, what are you going to say about that? Why I'm a Calvinist. There it is. Yeah. Why am I? Why am I? Why Joe Meyer is a Calvinist. And if you're a Calvinist and you don't agree with his reason, every Calvinist is going to agree with his first reason. I'm a Calvinist because of the Bible. Yeah. Way to go. Okay. If um, you want to come learn the Bible, you can come to Trinity, Trinity College to the Bible Theological Seminary and learn the Bible formally, or you can listen to or you can listen to any podcast within the Trinity Commission to learn informally, like Trinity Radio, Steve Gregg and the Narrow Path, there are just the entire Bible. And then about twenty other different topical That's a uh, seminary in itself. Right. It's yeah, free. Just phenomenal at the narrow path dot something. But you don't uh, get a degree there. Yeah, you don't get a degree. Uh, but if you want a, if you want to take classes from Steve Gregg from the Narrow Path, you can come to Trinity College of Bible Theological Seminary yes. and either take courses for credit or audit. Um, or, or you Layton can listen Flowers. to Layton Flowers, uh, Soteriology 101. Who or is, come here and take, his cre- take credit. At Trinity College yeah. of Bible Theological Seminary. Or you can listen to the Bible Brodown. And study with. And study guys. with <laughs> the students. Uh, yeah. uh, they are Trinity College of the Bible Theological Seminary students, yeah. and they also have a wonderful podcast. I've been on it. You've they had me on there recently. It was yeah. great. I loved it. I love. Yeah. Well, you did. They treat you real nice. It they wasn't roll out the red my carpet. appearance on there where we talked about the flat Earth was way more better than the sacred cow stuff. Number one, because Matt was there, and Matt was not there. I agree yours. with that part. And and when you don't have the two bros of the Bible Rodown, their show, their Bible Rodown is my favorite. What? It just is. What? No offense, Steve. No offense, Layton. No offense to us. Uh, I'm bored with Romans just because everyone does Romans. But you go listen to the the, the classic Bible Rodown. Man. Uh, and they're, what they have to say about Romans is Back good. when they used to be called Duolingo. Yeah. And, well, no. I mean, even the early Brodown episodes. And I still do listen to the Romans stuff because they're, they're taking they're Romans. And you might good. get something that you never thought of. And I love the interaction. Their interaction is better than our interaction. I'm just saying, their show is great. So go listen to the Bible Brodown. Uh, you probably already listened to Light Flowers because Light Flowers has more listeners than all of us except for Steve Gray. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Even if you're an audio listener, that really helps us out. That's the way you can help us without uh, spending a dime. Or uh, And in addition to that, don't do one or the other, do both. Go to iTunes and give us a nice review. Every time we see new reviews, we're really, it, it brightens our day. Unless they're bad. We haven't had any bad ones yet. Some Calvinist is going to be angry with <laughs> Dang it, why did I say anything? <laughs> Why did I say anything? All right. We well, love our Calvinist brothers. Listen, that does it for why I'm a Calvinist. If that's not why you're a Calvinist, that's all right. You can go to Trinity Radio Primetime Discussion Facebook group. Yeah. Or leave in the comments. Why that's the best place. I wish more people interact in the comments. People do, but not many. But Because our um, Facebook group is so awesome. Everyone wants to But if you to go, go to the that. Facebook group, Trinity we'll Radio Primetime Discussion. Yeah, we hope you'll do that. Yeah. And do it today. Uh, that's it. We're done. I think we got it all. Uh, See you next time on...